This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. David Samuels hit me up on X. Good Knicks win coming out of the break. Dominating Phillies and that losing streak. Bogdanovich was huge off the bench. Yeah, he was. He was very good. No question. No question. They just need him to uh, continue that. So, once again, one of our top stories tonight was the situation with Kodai Senga and the Mets. And the question now becomes, who is going to take his place in the rotation? Who is going to be that person now that the Mets can rely on and understand that the role of the ace, the role of your number one pitcher is very simple. He's, you have to feel, players have to feel, even more so than normal, that with this guy on the mound, we got, we got a shot to win. We have a shot to win this game. Your ace stops losing streaks. Your ace helps, you know, uh, get you back on the right track. That's what an ace does in Major League Baseball. And so with Senga out and – Listen, give him a lot of credit because last year he it was, a, it was an adjustment for him as it is for a number of Japanese pitchers who pitch in a league where they normally pitch once a week and then have to adjust to being a every five-day starter. And it was a struggle for him early. He didn't give you the length which is what I wanted to see. He built up to it. And let's face it, second half of the year, he was in the Cy Young candidacy. He was very good. He was very good. Uh, His ghost pitch was outstanding. And what's funny to me is I thought and was concerned that batters would either lay off or figure out the ghost pitch or whatnot and – as he went on later in the season, he was it seemed like he was more effective. Maybe his fastball was better. Maybe he was able to set things up a little bit better. But he was really good. And he really helped that Met team. You know, uh, helped them. In the, I mean, I know they finished under 500. But nevertheless, you know, you got to see. And it made them believe that he could be, he could be our ace. All right, he's under contract. He could be our ace. So now the question becomes, who's going to take that step? And you heard David Stearns. We play. We have some more from him that we'll share with you before we leave the air tonight. All right, some of the pitchers, they got some young pitchers. They got some guys that we've seen, like Peterson and Miguel, who, who have the opportunity to step in and try to, you know, fill in for Senga until he gets back. And so, once again, your rotation is under question. But the one thing you know about pitchers, they're going to get hurt during the season. That's why Hal Steinbrenner says you never have enough pitching. Everybody knows you never have enough pitching. And once again, and I keep saying this to you because I'm also talking to myself, since this is a season of evaluation for the Mets, not that they want him hurt, 
but this gives them another opportunity to bring up some young pitchers to give, you know, be long men out of the bullpen uh, to possibly, you know, early in the season when you're trying to build up and maybe play pitchers only go five, maybe six innings. You may, you know, you may bring a kid up. You may want to see what this kid can do for an inning or two and then go to the length and the long rotation on the bridge to try to get to Edwin Diaz. So this is just more of an opportunity for the Mets to evaluate, David Stearns to evaluate what he has from kids in the minors who are near ready or will be ready to come up and join the big club. From, you know, kids who uh, were trying to figure out, can they, you know, velocity, can they finish batters, uh, you know, how effective they can be, you know, different things, the different attitudes and different things that you're looking for to find out if that's what this, these players can be. So it's just another opportunity. And so, you know, that's, that's what this situation with Kodai Singer offers for the Mets. And I obviously, they're not going to go after one of the free agent pitchers. I get it. I understand it. I get why they're not doing it. But on the other side, I'm I'm a little surprised that the Yankees aren't. And it doesn't mean, and from everything, it's so funny. There's some people where you read, it sounds like, well, you know what? They, they might be interested. And there's others who say point blank. I don't see, I don't see uh, Blake Snell coming to the Yankees right now. I just don't see it. Well, it all comes down to money. Okay, it all comes down to money. If he, if he adjusts his salary and year demands, I'm sure there will be a possibility that the Yankees will be open to, you know, bringing him in. But it, he wanted a lot of money. And the thing I'm concerned about, if he were a Met, I mean, he was a Cy Young Award winner last year. There's no question about it. And he was very good in the American League. Very good with Tampa. But sometimes he has trouble finishing. And that means you, that pitch count just keeps going up and up and up. And so uh, that's the issue that you have with him. Is, you know, he's got pitch counts up and he's laboring and... You know, you you want length from him to get to you know to get to your closer at least maybe at least get to your setup guy at least to get you to the eighth inning, and for so many for so often he doesn't do that. Now once again he had a pretty good year last year he was a Young Award winner so you can't that that means he was as good as he could be right, he was the best in the National League because of what he brought to the table. But I remember some games. Uh, you know, watching him pitch in Tampa where he just didn't finish, kept, you know, couldn't finish batters off, struggled. But I'm sure if the Yankees had another opportunity, I think they would take a shot because are you sure, what do you know about Rodon? Do you really think, do you really think He's going to be, I mean, I don't think he'll be as bad as he was last season. I don't. I think he will be better than he was last season. But this is another guy whose availability has been a question. It's another guy. 
So, I mean, I'm sure that he's, once again, I don't know, maybe he was still hurt. Uh, he was coming back from injury. I, you know, I don't know what the excuse was. I don't know what the situation was with him. But he was flat out throwing batting practice for many of the appearances that he had last season. Flat out batting practice. And that's a lot of money to be paid for a batting practice pitcher. Your calls are next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, after the after his side session yesterday, he came in and, you know, experienced some arm fatigue. Uh, so he's staying inside and we're taking a look at it. We'll see. We got to get with the trainers because that was, that was late, obviously. Um, I got to get more information. But he, he got on the mound yesterday and today he came in and, you know, just overall arm fatigue. So that was Carlos Mendoza yesterday. And so that raised the eyebrow. We'll get to the calls in a second. That raised the eyebrow as to, okay, what's going on? What's happening? Is he going to be okay? What, why is he? What, what's, what's the deal? And then today we find out that he's going to start. Kodai Senga is going to start this, the uh, 2024 campaign on the I.L. 1-800-919-3776. You're listening to ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Justin St. Tom's River. What's up, Justin? Hey, Larry. Thank you for taking my phone call as always. Um, I want to talk about the Nets, but I also want to talk about baseball with you, if you don't mind. You brought mm-hmm. up a point that I kind of wanted to make, and it kind of is a question. With, I'll start with the baseball. You know, not a lot of people are talking about it, Larry, but, you know, there's going to be a, a big problem in Major League Baseball with the whole collapse of the regional sports networks. And, you know, yep. and the teams like the Yankees and, and the Mets and, like, Dodgers and the Red Sox are going to be at a major advantage with the fact that they own their own streaming rights, you know, with the Yes and then the SMY. And, you know, a lot of these teams are not going to be able to afford, afford the ball players that they have on their team, and they're going to have to sell them off. So, you know, a team like the Yankees, I would not pay a Blake Snell. I would wait for one of these teams that can't afford one of these pitchers or one of their prospects that they can't sign, and I would just sit back and I, and I would just be reaping all the benefits of that because these teams, these small market teams, are never going to be able to keep these ballplayers. I mean, you see a guy um, with the Rangers. Uh, I, can't, I can't think of his name at the moment, but I mean, they want they want to bring the pitcher back and they can't afford to pay him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you my Mon- next yeah, point Montgomery, is the former Yankee. Yeah, my God, sorry, yeah, mm-hmm. Montgomery. They want to bring him back and they can't afford to pay him. You know, and they're coming off a World Series. And, you know, it, it, it's going to be a big mess in baseball. And I think a lot of these, some of these owners, that you know, these small these small teams with, with, with owners that don't have the big-time money like the Cohens and the Steinbrenners are going to have to sell their ball clubs eventually. And, and I don't know how Major League Baseball is going to fix that. But my, my next point is I just don't understand, as a Nets fan, I just don't understand the direction of the team, Larry. I mean, at this point – they're stuck in purgatory. The couple players that I think they should just start over and blow it all up. I mean, they don't own their own picks. They're they're not a playoff team, and they're just kind of stuck in purgatory. And even the picks that they do have from the Suns are, are down the road. The pieces that they have, in my opinion, they should sell them off and start over. Because when the Nets have had some success, besides the KD and Kyrie, we ended up being a debacle. But, I mean, every GM in, in the right mind would have done that. Mm-hmm. You know, Sean Marks has shown that he can develop players. You saw a Karis LeVert, you know, Jared Allen over the years. I think they just totally need to start over, in my opinion. All right, Justin, thanks for the phone call. You made some great points. We'll get to the baseball thing in a second. But 
Um, that that's kind of what they will probably have to do. The question is going to be is will Joe Psy want Sean Marks to do that? Now you're right. He's done it before. He got them to a pretty good spot. You know, Kenny Atkinson, we've talked about it a lot on these airwaves, what that net team was. Spencer Dinwiddie was, you know, a different Spencer Dinwiddie than he was this time around with the Nets. You know, Karis LeVert was there. Uh, D'Angelo Russell was given another opportunity. He kind of resurrected his career coming back here, uh, being with the Nets during during those kids, um, with those with those players. And it was that net team was a lot of fun. And they were finding ways to win. They 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 were young, they were hungry, they were playing with no pressure because people didn't expect a lot from them. And they were successful. And if they hadn't been successful, I mean, they would not have attracted KD and Kyrie. Other teams wanted them. Other teams, and then of course the Nets had the flexibility because of the fact that they had built up some players, some young players, so they had the flexibility to go in and sign these guys. And then, you know, when they brought in James Harden, they had to break it up a little bit more and trade some people away, and so that kind of really really set them back a bit. But, you know, I... The, the question is going to be with Joe Side, does he want Sean Marks to do it, A, and B, does he want to go through another rebuild of about two, three years? Because selling the assets off, I mean, yeah, they could do that, but as a fan, is that what you want to see? I mean, that means they're not going to be, and I get it. You're saying right now, what, a wild card? What, they're going to be a play-in team, and then they're going to go out in the first round, and then that's it. And what are we proving? What do we get? What, 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 how does that help us? That's why I've always said, that as a fan, it depends on what, how you view it. Is it, well, you know, I kind of at least I want to see my team be competitive. I mean, you don't have your own draft picks, and then you're dealing from a position of weakness. Because I, I know that you're tr- what you're trying to do. And you've got young, and then the other question you have, I mean, you've got young players on this team. Are you going to be able to keep them? I mean, Nicholas Claxton's a free agent at the end of the year. We had Brian Lewis on from the Post a week or so ago who covers the Nets. And I, I, don't, I don't know that he's coming back here. I mean, I don't know. And he's a talented young player. He could be a, a piece that you help build around. Him, Cam Thomas. I mean, they got you know they got they got some pieces. So uh, Sean Marks and Josiah and company have to sit down at the end of the season and figure out what they want to do. Maybe they will decide to you know trade a bunch of folks at the end of the season and move on and do what they and and break it up and go through the rebuilding process one more time and just ask the Brooklyn Nets fans to be patient for another year, two years, maybe three to get them to where they can be great and build that young nucleus up again and then try again to go forward and try to, you know, lure in some free agents. Although I think net fans don't want to see any more. <laughs> I think after the Paul Pierce situation with Kevin Garnett and company, and then after the KD, Kyrie, and James Harden situation, I don't know if net fans want anybody else in there. I think they just want to stay with the – just keep giving me the young players. I'm good. <laughs> uh, your baseball point, Justin, is very good. And that regional sports, that's why it's going to be interesting to see. 
And if you follow it, there's a bunch of different streaming services that are talking about trying to combine, you know, uh, different RSN, regional sports networks, where you can see uh, your favorite team, where you can see other game other teams from other your favorite team in other cities, trying to do that from the streaming standpoint. I'm very curious to see how far this goes. And if people are going to be, if, if folks will be able to work together enough to get that done. I mean, I was reading uh, Joe and Julian that FUBU is, is suing folks because they feel like, you know, it's not a, it's, it's more of a monopoly. It's not a scenario where you can have fair bidding and everybody has a chance to have opportunities to, you know, show what they can, what they can bring to their streaming service. And part of the reason for that is, and you, you look, and I know folks who are heavy into streaming and heavy into uh, different, you know, apps that you get, sports apps that you can get different, uh, you know, uh, games on and NBA and NHL and Major League Baseball and stuff of that nature. And I know that. But nevertheless, you know, uh, I'm very curious to see if anybody is going to be able to come up with something close where you could have like kind of a network type thing. And where's Major League Baseball going to weigh in on it? Is, uh, can we expect the outgoing commissioner to try to put together some things, some uh, uh, some ways to try to help and make sure that, you know, these you can these regional sports networks that have mostly baseball, some of them do hockey, obviously, and basketball, but the ones that do baseball, um, how is this how is this going to help them? How can he? How can Major League Baseball come back and help some of these owners? Because you're right, in this scenario. If they are able to just, because that revenue money, that extra money is is helpful. It's big. You know, to have your own streaming service like the Yankees with Yes, SNY with the Mets. I mean, you guys know. Just just look how much, look how much you have if you don't if you are if you've cut ties with cable, as they say. Uh, you know how much you have to pay monthly for games. You can play. You can pay per game. You can pay per month. It, it's this streaming has become very interesting. It's become a very interesting option, and um, I, I don't know. Although you know, there's some people who are saying, you know, really, it's, 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 and it is true. It's almost like, in a weird way, it's not exactly the same, but it's like how cable first started. What are we doing with games? You mean basketball games are on? TBS, Turner Broadcasting. You mean basketball games on something else? You mean basketball games are, you know, not on NBC? What? what? We'll continue the conversation next on ninety-eight seven ESPN. This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty on ninety-eight point seven ESPN. Chatting with you about the NBA and Major League Baseball. Getting ready for the weekend where you get to see uh, the rest of baseball perform. Saw the Dodgers today. Eight runs in the first inning, huh, Joe Leo? Showing off. 
Let's show you what money can buy. <laughs> What's the old adage that the pitchers are always ahead of the hitters this time of year? I don't know if yeah. that applies in Arizona. The Dodgers seemed ready to go. Yeah. And Otani's not even not even playing yet. Not even playing yet. So just imagine. Just imagine. But I'm very curious. I am I am interested to see both local teams this weekend. Memory serves me correct. The Yankees are Saturday and the Mets are Sunday. So I'm I'm very curious to see. Um you know, how they both are. I, I am just, of course, you know, I want to see uh, Bader in center field for the Mets. See, here's the thing for me in, in, in spring training, right? Obviously, and that ship has already sailed for Senga, but obviously for spring training, the goal is don't get hurt. Let's see what we can see. Let's see the young kids. Let's see who's available. Let's see what's happening. And we'll see what, you know, we'll see where who some people that we can look at and what folks are going to be able to you know maybe make some uh you know make some contributions this year so for me as a met fan i'm very curious to see obviously our version of the player who's in the best shape of his career and that would be starling Marte. So, obviously, I want to see Bader in center. I want to see Starling Marte. I want to see if he's in the field. I want to see what he does. Obviously, I'm looking at Brett Beatty. I want to see how he's – I mean, for the whole summer, not just this weekend, but, I mean, for the whole – for all of spring training, all the spring training games. I want to see how he's adjusted. I want to see where his confidence is. I want to see how he defends it third. So, I'm looking at that. Uh, obviously, I want to see what's going on with Francisco Alvarez. Right? Because, you know, he had a really good year last year. And so I'm very curious to see if he can, you know, build on that year. And not just offensively, but defensively as well. I mean, defensively, he was he was pretty good last year. And offensively, right, I mean, he showed some power. He's got a little pop in that back. So clearly, I, I want to see what he brings to the table. Also, of course, I want to see what my guy Pete Alonso is going to do. I want to see where he is. I want to see, you know, if, if he's uh, obviously doing the uh, doing the Aaron Judge. Is he good? I'm, I'm hoping he has an Aaron Judge-like season because he's up for, you know, money and a new contract. So I want to watch him. So clearly, I want to see what he brings to the table. Um Vientos is is Mark Vientos, the guy that who, who it's funny. I, I guess he's going to be the DH, but nevertheless, I'm I'm just looking to see what you know what position they're going to play him at, and is he really going to be the DH? I'm also very curious to see Luke Voigt because I know I'm going to see him in some games. Can he be a guy that they can sign? to, you know, be that DH? Can he recover and be be a little more consistent than he's been since he left the Yankees uh, as a home run threat? And a guy that can, you know, be, uh, be some protection for Peter Alonso and Francisco Lindor. And obviously I want to see what Francisco Lindor does. He is the, you know, he, he's a guy who's always been available. 
He's a guy who had a really good year, and I want to see what he brings to the table as well. So I got a lot to look for. And, of course, I want to see Edwin Diaz, obviously. So I've got a lot to look for during the spring training. So I'm looking at that. I want to see how that, how that works out. Uh, you know, hopefully I'll be surprised by Luis Severino, but that's, that's, not a, that's kind of a spring training, but that's more of a, that's more of a season thing. But in spring training, those are the things that I'm looking for as a Met fan. I want to see, and kind of what the, what the Carlos Mendoza style is going to be. I want to look at that too. I kind of want to see what that's like. Will it be a team that likes to run? Is there, is there going to be, you know, um, a team that, that is, you know, a scrappy team, a stolen base team, even though in this era of long ball and everything. But, you know, with the, you know, the, the shortened base paths and the bigger bases and there was some more running last year. I'm just curious to see, you know, what his style is going to be. So I'm, there's a lot of things that I'm looking for uh, from this Met team. Now, on the outside, looking at the Yankees, because, you know, being able to chat with you guys, I have to look at them as well. Uh, you know, obviously, Soto. Okay, what what does he add to this uh, this lineup? Can he be what they expect? Can he be Juan Soto? Because if he can be Juan Soto, it does it just it adds so much to um, this Yankee offense if he can be that. Um, so that's I'll be looking at that obviously. Of course, I want to see the pitching. I want to see Rodon. I want to see you know uh, Cortez, Nasty Nestor. I want to see him. I want to see what, what, what they're able to bring to the table. Uh, Judge, obviously, he always interests me. I want to see what he can do. Anthony Rizzo, you know, having seen a lot of him in the National League when he was with Chicago and what a, a, a very timely uh, contact hitter he was and give me some power and defensively his first base play is just, you know, outstanding. So I want to see how he is, how he comes back. You know, DJ, I'm curious about him. So I've got a, I've got a kind of a wish list of things that I'm looking at. And, of course, uh, you know, Stanton, like all Yankee fans. You want to see what he brings to the table? I'm, I'm curious to see how he's going to be also. Even though, even though, obviously, it's more of availability for Stanton. I get that. It's, is he going to be available? How many games is he going to play? Will he be able to play in the outfield? It's just the question of, you know, will, will this – how does how is his swing going to change? How is he? How, is he? You know, obviously he's less muscular. How does that help him? How does that? What effect does that have on him as a player? And how does he feel? Does he feel lighter? Does he feel? You know, is he comfortable in this with this new body type that he's gotten now that he's dropped some weight and appears to be more flexible, not as muscular. Uh, so, I'm, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm curious about, uh, you know, to see what, what, what the Yankees are going to do, uh, you know, during this weekend and, of course, during spring training. So I'm, I'm very curious, very curious, because I'm trying to gauge what this baseball season is going to be like. I don't think it's going to be uh, the way it was last season where in the second half without Judge, while he was out and the Mets were struggling and we were, man, we were on Aaron Rodgers' watch, it seemed like from opening day. (laughs) 
He just said, like, all we were talking about was Aaron Rodgers. Is he coming? Is he not coming? The retreat. I mean, it was, it, it was, it was the year of Aaron Rodgers. It was the summer of Aaron Rodgers. And so we were just, you know, we were just talking about that. And the fact that, you know, baseball, both local teams were not exactly performing well, um, you know, it was kind of weird. So I'm, I'm curious to see and hopeful that, uh, you know, we'll have some interesting, you know, some interesting games. And we'll have some interesting conversation about both local baseball teams. I think the Yankees are going to make a, a decent run. They, they clearly offensively are better than they were last year. And we'll see what the Mets bring to the table. Okay. If, 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 if they are, once again, for me, for the Mets, all I'm asking for, meaningful games in September. That's all I'm looking for. And that's kind of, that's kind of before the 101 wins of, of Buckshaw Walter. That's, if you listen to me over the years, that's normally how I feel. Give me, can I get meaningful games in September from my Mets team? That's what I'm looking for. And this year, more than ever, can I get meaningful games in September? And maybe I'll get some fun stories. Like the Alvarez story was a fun story for me last season. Okay, that was fun because he was able to hit and, and field. All right, so, you know, I get some more fun stories. Alonzo was a fun story. You know, so maybe if I get some, and, you know, Lindor had some records that he set. So it was, it, those were fun stories, but, you know, I think that's all I'm going to get this year, Julian and Joe. Fun stories from the Mets. Conversation continues here on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Getting your thoughts on a number of things inside this edition of the show. Carl is in Queens. Carl, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. Uh, I just got home from Philly. Uh, overall, good team win. I think everyone did their job. Uh, I think they came out gunning right from the first whistle, man, and they just set the tempo the whole game. A little bit in the third quarter. Um, I told the producer, Larry, Maxi. I haven't seen him. This is the first time I saw him in person. He is special, Larry. He's I'm a telling great player. you that. He is. And they went away from him in the fourth quarter. He didn't start the fourth, but then. I don't know, you know, Nick Nurse, such a good coach. He barely touched the ball in the fourth. I mean, you know, thank you, but I'm telling you, he's special, Larry. He is. He's a, so, uh, Carl, you and the Nick fans, you were all over my TV. You guys you yeah, guys man. were had made the presence down there in, in Philly. I was, um, I was trying to tell my friends in the group chat what the percentage was, and minimum 35% Nick fans, Larry, seriously. And, you know, six minutes left in the fourth, it was all us. It was all us. It was amazing. There's nothing better than being in Philadelphia and waving goodbye to the away fans. <laughs> I mean, the home fans, sorry. <laughs> nothing better. All right, Carl. Thanks for checking in and letting us know what it was like down in Philly. And, and you know, it's, a, it's where we started the show tonight, talking about the Nick win. And it was a really good win for them. Obviously, coming in, listen, you want to see what this Nick team was going to do. They had to get off this losing streak. All right. And yeah, you understood part of the reason for the losing streak was that they didn't have most of their players. I mean, they limped. They were crawling into the all-star break from an injury standpoint. I mean, you go back and look at the game they lost right before this right before the break. I mean, Bogdanovich, who had just got here, didn't play. DiVincenzo didn't play. 
I mean, Jacob Toppin had like 11, 12 minutes. That told you all you needed to know about who was available and who wasn't available. So now, really, with the rest, and as, as Carl, as you mentioned, they came out with young legs. They were fresh legs. They were flying up and down the court. They were flying on defense. They were energized. They were rested. You can see. You can see the difference. And they had spring in their step. Shots were falling. They were pushing the basketball. They, they were dominating the 76ers. But once again, you knew, like all NBA teams, they make runs. Even the really bad teams, they make runs. You go for, because nobody hits 100% of their shots. And with the three, all you have to do is hit a couple of threes, and even if you're down 10, even if you're down 15, 18 points, you can hop from three, you can cut it to 10 in, in, in no time. So you understood. And, and Tyrese Maxey, was, listen, they were down by as many as 26, and Tyrese Maxey was having his way. And they were struggling. The Sixers were struggling offensively. But the Knicks found a way. They held them defensively. They played decently. And in the third quarter, once uh, Kyle Lowry, who got elbowed inadvertently by Jericho Sims, and left the game, when he came back, he kind of spurred them on a little bit. Started running things. I mean, he just got there. But he was directing traffic, moving people around on the floor. He was doing some nice things for them. And they started to make a run, and they started to hit some shots, and the Knicks started to miss some shots and turn the basketball over. And, you know, Philly made a run, and they came back. But the difference was, even when Philly got close on the one or two occasions they did in that third quarter, all right, the Knicks were able to get a couple of baskets and get some more breathing room. And when you're when you're fighting uphill, I mean, you're down 26. And you've got some injury issues as well. It takes a lot for you to get back. It's, it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of work to try to get back and, you know, try to climb that hill to win that game. So the Sixers, they ultimately ran out of gas. But it was key for the Knicks to not let them get really close, that you had to sweat it out. But they did a nice job and didn't get a lot of, you know, Brunson had an off-shooting night. He wasn't great. He was solid, had 12 assists. So he did. He wasn't scoring, but he was passing the ball well. And it was, you know, Bogdanovich was 6 of 6 from 3. He was fabulous in that third quarter when they started to break it open. Alec Burks was fabulous in that second quarter when they started to break it open. Uh, Precious Achua again, double figures in points and rebounds. Josh Hart again had 12 rebounds. Jericho Sims had 10 boards as he continues to get better and play and get experience and stay on the floor, was not in foul trouble. So it was it was a nice win for the Knicks coming out of the break, a win they needed. <clears throat> DiVincenzo played well. Every, everybody played well. Everybody played well. So once again, that's what you want. And now you get ready for a tougher opponent. Because you have the Boston Celtics Saturday night. 
And that's going to be a fabulous game, potentially. Okay? Fabulous game. And you, will, the question is, for me, because Hartenstein didn't play a lot tonight. And that's cool. They didn't really need him. He only played 11 minutes. And I don't know whether the Achilles was bothering him or they just wanted to keep him loose or then, you know, they didn't really need him. They will need him a little bit more against Boston because that matchup with uh, KP is, is going to be difficult. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. This is a, this is a, listen, this is a Boston team that is all, all roads lead to them in the NBA finals again. Now they've had some hiccups. There's some nights when you look at them, you're like, okay, you guys taking the night off. What's going on? But once again, and see, honestly, they don't need to put a tall, they, they might put Brown or Tatum on Brunson, but they don't have to because Drew Holiday is an outstanding defender. Outstanding. So, I mean, they could put him on uh, Brunson and see where, and if they have to make adjustments, they will. They can switch somebody bigger on him. You know? So it, it's it's a matchup that you're looking forward to. Uh, I'm looking forward to this on Saturday night. It'll be on ABC, so that's going to be fun. And, of course, you can listen to it right here on 98.7 ESPN. That wraps up this edition of ESPN New York tonight. We thank you for joining us, as always. I will see you on Sunday. I will be following. We have a uh, Bucks sixers game that we are, t- we are broadcasting here. The uh, pregame's at 1230. begins at 1, or maybe the – Game begins at 12.30. So I will be on following that game. So maybe around 2.30, 3 o'clock. And, of course, on Monday, Gordon Damer returns. And we'll be back here for ESPN New York tonight. So you can check that out as well. It's going to be a fabulous weekend. On Sunday, of course, we'll recap the Nick game. We'll talk about, you know, a little baseball. We'll see if there's an update on Kodai Senga. So we have a lot to do this weekend when we join you right here. Uh, Joe, Julian, thank you very much. Guys did a great job as always. Up next. The conversation continues. Where? Right here. 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.